What kind of magic do those shoes have? Well, uh, how do I put this? Merlin, I used to be strong. Really strong. And I was always proud of that. But the shoe's magic, um, it made me a little dainty. Sorry to hear. The shoes made me lose a little bit of weight. Could be worse. Okay. <laughs> a lot of weight. Ah. Well, I know what it's like to look different on the outside from what you feel on the inside. Hello and welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. I am Christy and I am here with my friend and co-host Bree. Hello! And today we are talking about Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarves. A not terrible at all princess movie. Yeah! <laughs> this is this is one that is that kind of got on my radar because of the very terrible marketing campaign. Yeah, um, this this one is a great movie. But the terrible part is how it was advertised. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's unfortunately, I think, probably how most people know about this film. Mm-hmm. That, that was for sure how I had first heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess let's let's get right into it here. Um, so, to, I mean, to preface all of this is red shoes and the seven dwarves this one is a 2019 south korean animated film produced by locust corporation and Sidus animation studios so this film is about all about appearances and being able to look at the beauty of the true self and it does this by its main character, Snow White, who is a plus-size woman, and through the events of the story, she comes into possession of magic shoes that transform her into a thin and conventionally beautiful uh, young woman. So, in 2017, there was a marketing campaign for the film that ended up causing a great deal of controversy because it uh, basically body-shamed Snow White. The there was a billboard for the film that showed an image comparing uh, Snow White and her thin form asking, what if Snow White was no longer beautiful and the seven dwarves not so short? Yeah. So that was definitely the first that I heard of it was like, Hey, look at this kind of gross movie. Like the basically saying like th that this plus size version of snow white is not beautiful like what if she was you know yeah quote unquote ugly yeah well basically just because she is plus sized she is no longer beautiful yeah all of the discussion i saw online was was basically like this looks terrible like what kind of message is this sending and so i know i don't remember looking much more into it i was just like oh that looks pretty gross like that's yeah. a really gross way to to do a movie hmm mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it was it, it this this controversy spread 
pretty wide too like i saw news articles about it on the internet um it was also in more conventional newspapers from what i remember um it even i saw a few clips that this was discussed on uh news programs so again this was this was everyone's first introduction to this film um well for most people i i will admit i actually had heard about Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarves predating this marketing campaign because I had seen the original teaser trailer that was released for the film. Um, Right, yeah, you sent me a link to that one, which I don't think I had actually seen. Yeah, were you you able to watch the the video um, for the podcast? Yeah, yeah, it was... Interesting, because it's it's very much like a sort of early version, like the characters' mm-hmm. designs are not finalized yet, um, but the the idea behind the, the teaser is the same, I guess. Yeah, so to, to explain, so this teaser trailer, um, which as Brie mentioned, maybe teaser trailer isn't quite the way to name it. It's almost comes across as a demo maybe or yeah or like a proof of concept pitch kind of thing yeah Mm -hmm. um but in the teaser trailer in the teaser trailer two dwarves sans the green skin that they have in the final movie travel through a magic mirror to red shoes's bedroom they hear her coming and hide underneath the table where they end up watching as she strips down to her undergarments Um, she then takes off one of her high heels, revealing a plus-sized leg to the dwarves, and they react with this comical horror take. Um, and the closing shot of the teaser trailer is the fully plus-sized Snow White chugging a drink and belching. Yeah. And she basically, like, leans back and she's, like, getting comfortable and she's like, now I can be me. And I'm like, that's kind of cute, but, like, the rest of it was really not great. Yeah. It was was pretty... uh... Cause yeah, you see you see the two dwarves on like hiding, and watching this happen, and just being like horrified. And it's like, all right, okay, okay. Yeah, like that's that's the main thing. I mean, number one is kind of it's gross that they're watching her get watching undressed. her strip at first. Yeah. yeah, and then and then number two, when they see that she is plus sized, it's just again, it's this comical like, Whoa! like this ew. Uh, plus size person gross kind of thing yeah so So, um, i can see why that would have landed very poorly yeah and and so altogether as as i mentioned i i had seen that teaser trailer prior to this controversy um from what i could gather i tried to confirm an exact date for the release of that trailer um it actually has had been uploaded to YouTube by the production company, but has since been made private. Um, probably makes sense. Due to the controversy. <laughs> yeah. But I did find that somebody had re-uploaded it to Daily Motion, and based on the date that was on that Daily Motion re-upload, it's it was at least 2016 that that trailer originally came out. Mm-hmm. So 2016 happened. I, of course, because I have been doing this bad princess movie shit for an embarrassing <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> you you have your finger on the pulse of all princess films. Yeah. Since 2015, I'm not shitting you, I have been doing this bad princess movie stuff. So, 
I saw that original trailer and I filed it away in my the little attic space in my brain to come back to this one or keep an eye on it. <laughs> and so when I when I saw this controversy come up in 2017, it was it I w- kind of was expecting it. Mm. Um y- you know, like it was like, "Oh yeah, I remember watching that kind of shitty trailer for this movie." Um so I wasn't surprised to see the negative reaction. What I was interested in, though, is that uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, who voices Snow White in the film, uh, was under was upset by the marketing, and she ended up tweeting about the campaign, saying, "The actual story is powerful for young women and resonated with me. I was sorry for the offense that was beyond my creative control." Please know I have let the producers of the film know I lent my voice to a beautiful script that I hope you will all see in its entirety. That's great. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And when I when I saw that, what she said about the film, that's when I became intrigued. Because for this movie, between the marketing campaign and that original teaser trailer, which was the only bit of material other material about the film that was out there they all seem to point towards this film being something that at best would be this awkward thing where they're trying to talk about don't judge a person by their appearance while also having their over-the-top reaction shots to a larger person Mm-hmm. but when i saw what she said it was kind of like okay like so there might be something more to this movie than what we have seen in that campaign and the teaser trailer. Yeah. And that's, and I that, get that's interesting. Mhm. And uh and I guess I I should note um in response to all of this all of the controversy um the production company terminated the marketing campaign and issued an apology where they acknowledged that the campaign ended up with the opposite message of what the film was intending they said that they regretted any embarrassment or dissatisfaction that the campaign might have caused and they emphasized that the finished film carried with it a message designed to challenge the social standards around physical beauty huh Okay, yeah, because, yeah, like, I feel like my awareness of it sort of ended in knowing about the campaign, and I didn't, I wasn't aware that they had sort of <laughs> been like, ooh, nope, whoops, we did, that was, nope, that was the wrong message. That was the mm-hmm. opposite message, in fact, of what we wanted. Yeah, and uh, and they did... They did mention, and I guess this is sort of the explanation, maybe, or at least how this campaign ended up happening, is that they mentioned that they worked with a partner company on the marketing campaign. Mm. Um, they still, they specifically said that they took full responsibility for any and all mistakes that were made, but maybe there was just a disconnect between the partner company and whoever they, the partner company was in contact with who worked on the movie, there was just that disconnect that... There was a breakdown of communication somewhere along the line. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it, it could have been caused, too, by... Because this is this is a South Korean animated film, maybe that involved... There was a difficulty of something being lost in translation, perhaps, or... Mm. Yeah. Which is... in. It's... 
totally as a side tangent, it's because this uh, film was originally like all of the voices are originally in English, which is interesting. Yeah, and this is actually something that I have been I've seen before with these international films is that they they are being animated with the English dub in mind. And I and I guess it's just them making the decision that that's the market that we want to cater to. I guess. Yeah, I I guess I don't actually know much about how uh how that's handled in in overseas studios. Yeah, it's just it's it's very it's just kind of interesting to think about because and I mean we are we're biased in that we are two people who uh originate from North America. Um you know, we are both uh, English speakers, so mm-hmm. we are very, very used to just having um, movies that are filmed in English or uh, voice the vo- the original voices are in English. So we we don't really get that experience where overseas international movies come to our theaters and they have been dubbed, dubbed or subtitled. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you look at, like, a recent film like Parasite and even seeing people complain about how that one was was subtitled in theaters. It's just... just, uh, Yeah. But it's just, it's not something, like, North Americans, we are so, we are so used... Yeah, we we just sort of get get it in English and expect it in English a lot of times, which is just... hmm. Yeah, so I mean, maybe maybe that is the reasoning for it. They were like, you know what, those those North Americans, this is this is the best way. If we want North Americans to watch our movie, we're gonna make this for North Americans right off the bat. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I guess, but mm-hmm. the voice cast and everything was. I guess we sort of moved moved into the the discussion part. So, do we want to take a pause and go through at ludicrous speed through this plot? Yes, that's a good idea, I think. So we will do just <laughs> that. So we shall go through the enchanting story that is Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarves. Our story begins on Fairy Tale Island. A magical land of princes and princesses, witches and monsters. There live the Fearless Seven, a group of heroes who find themselves on the wrong end of a magic spell when they attack who they think is an ugly witch. In reality, the woman was a fairy princess, and she curses the Fearless Seven as retribution for judging her by her physical appearance. When no eyes are on them, the Fearless Seven look like their normal selves. But if someone is looking at them, they transform into chubby green dwarves. The only way to break the curse is for each of them to get a kiss from the most beautiful woman in the world. A year passes and we are introduced to Regina, the villain of the film. Regina is an evil witch who tricked the good King White into marriage with her magic-induced beauty. 
King White is now nowhere to be seen, and Regina has free reign of the castle. Every morning, Regina tends to a magic tree, which has two bright red apples growing on its branches. An incantation turns the apples into shoes, which will grant the wearer everlasting beauty. Magic tree, magic tree, let this morning be the time that you perform your duty. Unfortunately for Regina, King White's daughter, Snow White, happens upon the shoes and out of curiosity, puts them on. This transforms the plus-sized Snow White into a slender-bodied woman. Snow White escapes from Regina by stealing a broomstick and crash-landing outside of the home of the Fearless Seven. Meanwhile, the magic tree withers away, forcing Regina to hunt down Snow White if she wants to reclaim the shoes. Finding the now conventionally beautiful Snow White in their home, the Fearless Seven are more than happy to help her in her quest to find her father, hoping to get kisses in return. Snow White, recognizing the warm welcome is due to her changed form, hides her real identity from them. My name is... Red, Red Shoes. <laughs> yep, it's me, Red Shoes. Cool name. Together, Red Shoes and the Fearless Seven face various obstacles, including an apparent attack from a giant wooden bunny, various ill-tempered guards, and one Prince Avarage who was hired by Regina to track down Red Shoes, with the promise that he'd be able to date Red Shoes once he found her. During all this, Merlin, the spellcaster of the Fearless Seven, and Red Shoes begin to bond, starting with Merlin being the only dwarf to show Red Shoes a bit of compassion and respect while she was briefly untransformed during one of their excursions. After an attack by Prince Avarage, now transformed into a wooden tree creature by Regina, Red Shoes is forced to remove her shoes in order to save Merlin's life. Doing so reveals to him her true self, and they have a frank discussion about appearances. Red Shoes asks Merlin if he would have agreed to help her had she done so in her true body. The monsters who attacked us were sent by my stepmother to get these... shoes. Have you thought about just giving them back? Uh, and give up their magic? If I'd given up their magic, you wouldn't have helped me find my father, would you? What? Would you? Merlin goes off by himself to do some soul-searching, and thinking he left because he's disappointed with her true appearance, Red Shoes puts the shoes back onto her feet. Unfortunately for her, the shoes respond to the wearer's desires, and by putting the shoes back on while she is feeling self-conscious, Red Shoes can now not take them off. At that fateful moment, Regina appears. Recognizing that she just can't take the shoes from Red Shoes, Regina kidnaps her, with Merlin being unable to stop her. Merlin rushes off to Regina's castle, but is unfortunately captured by Regina's sentient magic mirror. Regina threatens Merlin's life to force Red Shoes to take a bite out of an apple that she's prepared for her. What's going to happen to her? Well, once she eats the apple, its magic will turn her into a magic apple tree. Gone! First bell, nothing really happens, but very dramatic. The tree bears fruit to the second bell. Gone! Excitement mounts! The morning sun touches the fruit, turning it into a new pair of red shoes. Gone number three, the circle of life. And then what? Regina will be the most beautiful person in the kingdom. 
forever. I don't care about her. What about Snow White? The tree withers and dies, and so does Snow White. No! Yes! Oh! Oh, I'm rotten! Just in time, the other dwarves arrive to rescue Merlin. Working together, they manage to destroy Regina's magic mirror, and Merlin rushes off to save Snow White. Before Regina can pluck the new apples from Snow White's tree, Merlin tackles her, and they fall off the castle together, with Merlin unleashing a storm of electricity to finish off Regina. With Regina destroyed, her magic is undone. Snow White returns to her normal plus-size self, and the giant wooden bunny is revealed to be her transformed father. Unfortunately, Merlin has been gravely injured by the fight with Regina. Cradled by Snow White, Merlin tells her, You're the most beautiful woman in the world. Whether my eyes are open or closed. Snow White tearfully kisses Merlin, and we see that this not only breaks the curse, but saves Merlin's life. Now both their true selves, Merlin and Snow White kiss. The film ends with their wedding, and as the credits roll, we see the other dwarves go off on their own journeys to find their own personal, most beautiful woman in the world. We did it. So, so, you did it. So, Ooh. this is a cute as heck movie, as it turns Th- out. Yeah, this like one, it's, I... It's a little silly, but it's it's incredibly cute. This one was, as you said, was incredibly cute. I really enjoyed this one. Um, it's just, they, again, based on what we had seen regarding the controversial uh, that first trailer and the billboard that they had it was almost shocking to see how counter to that message that this movie actually was yeah cuz like one of the one of the things that i really liked about snow white was like she was she for the most part was just like yeah this is me like i she's plus size and she's strong and she's incredible and she just loves herself how she is and it's like yeah hell yeah even like she puts on the shoes and the first time she sees herself in the mirror she's like who the fuck is that yeah and and it's really interesting because they specifically they word it so that so when she sees herself in the mirror she it takes her a few minutes first of all to figure out that this is who I like this is me that's me in the mirror and when she does figure it out um she she says I look so different yeah it's not like I look so good or I look so beautiful it's just oh I look different yeah and it's and it's it's just she looks different to her she she was like like you said she's happy as her true self she 
is a strong person. There, she. It's cute. She makes these comments kind of throughout the film, like she she could in her true form she could bench press two hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, like she's proud of who she is. Yeah, proud of who she is. She she doesn't. Aside from towards like. You only really see her self-consciousness come out through her relationship with Merlin when mm-hmm. she starts feeling that he might not like her because of how she looks. And it, otherwise, she is so strong and so sure of herself that it's just, it's so nice to see. It's really, yeah. it's really refreshing almost. Just to see yeah. how positive she is. Yeah, she's she's great. And it's it's shown like with her relationship, essentially like basically to almost everyone she meets in the films, that she's just like she's just a wonderful person, but the reason that a bunch of people are kind to her is because she looks conventionally attractive and she's just like ugh. <laughs> like yeah it's frustrating it's an interesting part to her character because she she isn't naive she catches on right away that people are giving her this respect and admiration because of how she looks yeah and it's sort of it's sort of sad in a way that she recognizes that I'm going to have an easier time finding my dad if I use the magic of these shoes to to ask for help. Yeah. In in particular, there's a I think the scene that illustrates this most is when Red Shoes and a uh, a few of the dwarves go into a town to hound out flyers that she's made with trying to seek information about her dad. Um and we get a bit of it's sort of I guess a montage esque where we just see how various townspeople react to her in her red shoes form. Um, with some people, the the instant sh- they see her, they become a lot more pleasant to her once they see. Oh, look at this beautiful thin young woman. Yeah. Um, like in particular, there's a guy and he's chiseling a statue, and when she she uh tries to get his attention he slips and the head of the statue falls off and he he at first he's gonna react to her with anger but then as soon as he sees that she's beautiful all of a sudden it's like oh don't worry about it oh yeah you know it's it's all happy fun smiles because oh now it's now i see a pretty lady was the one who interrupted me so i'm no longer angry anymore especially with the the dwarves and particularly Merlin, they're so caught up on the fact that she is, like, she's beautiful, and if we help her, then she'll, like, she'll break our curse, and, oh, but she's so pretty, and, you know, Mm -hmm. we'll do whatever she wants because she's beautiful. And you're just like, oh, huh, hmm, hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, all right. Yeah, and it's, and it's, definitely it's, it's sad at first because yeah. again kind of continuing from that that scene where they're in the village at one point red shoes gets cornered by some of regina's guards and uh Im- importantly regina doesn't know that it's snow white she just she interrupted 
Snow White stealing the shoes. Um, but it was so- after she already had the shoes on, so she didn't recognize her. Yeah, so she's she's in the red shoes persona, and so th- those that's who the guards are looking for. So um, figuring this out again because she's a very smart character. Red shoes. She takes off the shoes. Um, she's now back in her her true self, and the guards no longer recognize her. But instead, they decide to just be jerks to her for no good reason and start making fun of her. Uh, they play keep away with her shoes and, and mock her by saying that they they won't fit her because she, yeah. she's too big now. They won't fit her. Um, and at, at one point, Merlin and one of the other dwarves walk past and, and Red Shoes tries to call out to them and not recognizing her and I guess also the implication that they don't care because she's not beautiful, they end up walking past her. Yeah. Um, and you could see in, in, in her body language that it, it's, it's kind of, it's very complex because she's sad, but she's also not surprised. Yeah, exactly. That they, yeah. that they don't care. Um, and, and again, as mentioned in the summary, thankfully, Merlin changes his mind. He's the only one of the two dwarves to do so, and he ends up assisting the untransformed Snow White. Yeah, like he still he does still doesn't recognize her really, but he's just like he he comes back to help. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay, Merlin, good shit. Yeah, yeah, you're that's... you're he's still kind of a butt through the the movie until the end, but you're. He's he grows. You're like, all right. You've got you've got the spark in you to be a yeah. good person. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of like the first instance that that you see of it happening. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean, as mentioned, Red Shoes. She's a very savvy character. Again, she catches on to how being conventionally beautiful makes people treat her differently, and how she. It has to begrudgingly use it to try and find her dad. Um, yeah. She's like, this is the best chance to get people to help me to find my dad. So mm-hmm. I will use this. Yeah. And, <sighs> and to also mention too, as we were saying about her, her confidence in herself and her, what she looks like and how she feels as a person the film makes it a plot point that the shoes can't be removed because they prey on the wearer's heart's desires. Um, but yet, for a good chunk of the film, Red Shoes is able to remove them because she doesn't desire being conventionally beautiful. Yeah. Like, she can Again, just take them on and off for the most part, near, like, for the beginning of the film, because she's just like, this is just a tool that I'm using. Mm-hmm. This is not a, a heart's desire. Yeah, and it's and it's only after being made to feel self-conscious by like everybody around her that she's that's when she starts to struggle to remove them. Mhm. But she is she is just a really sweet character. I I love her. Yeah, she's so cool. She's a great character. She's she's selfless and sweet. She's resourceful and proactive. We see, probably because, based on her own experiences, she always tries to err on the side of good when it comes to most people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she she's always trying to give even though the dwarves like she could tell she's again she's not dumb you see how she how she reacts to them fawning over her she is very well aware that you know like, like okay what like, they're doing and why they're doing it yeah and yet at the same time she's like all right like i'm willing to give these guys a chance to prove themselves yeah we also we see her rushing in to help them multiple times too like if when they when they get into the thick of it she is right there with them she isn't just allowing them to fight for her she's trying to assist them as well yeah every time cuz there's a couple times in the movie where she's in peril and and i think it's merlin both times he's like go i'll i'll handle this and she's like i'm not leaving you behind and he's like no no just go and don't look back and then she'll, like, get a couple yards away and she turns around and she's like, I'm helping anyway, fuck it. <laughs> You're like, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it is, what's funny with that is it's not just, like, an ego thing that, that Merlin tells her to do that. Not to look to back. <laughs> yeah. Because um, as mentioned with the curse, the, the Fearless Seven are only transformed when nobody else is watching them. So the movie kind of plays with this a bit by having them swap between their their normal and their dwarf forms, um, sometimes for last, but also for like tension in a scene. Yeah, um, it's and it in, it includes each other. Like if one of them, if if literally anyone is looking at them, including each other, they will turn into their little dwarf forms. Yeah. So there's but there's not like, including magical constructs, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Which is funny. I didn't. I didn't notice that until, oh, embarrassingly later into the film, where I was like, "Wait a minute! He's <laughs> Wait, that the... giant, that giant wooden bunny is looking right at him. <laughs> Why doesn't the wooden bunny count? Wait a second. Hold on. But there's there's stuff like Merlin. Merlin's trying to get a book off of a high shelf, and the other dwarves keep interrupting him. So he keeps like going from short to tall, short to tall. Yeah, it's um, it's like it's literally a a full physical reaction where they grow and shrink in the in the span of like half a second. And and like you said, there's other moments where. Uh, trying to he tries to get snow white to not look at him um while they're fighting so that he is able to do so in his in his proper tall form <laughs> yeah i i like to there's a there's a bit where they're when they're being chased by the uh the wooden bunny um snow white is in the lead and so he's untransformed but then and he's keeping up and but as soon as she like looks to try and like see where he's at, yeah, she's having to. <laughs> his little legs can't keep up anymore, so she's having to basically like drag him along with her. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like there's a lot of little like clever cuts and reveals where they have them the um, switching forms because you never actually see it on screen. They usually like shrink or grow over a cut. So you're never having to watch like a weird melding of like of the 3D models. It's just like over a cut, it'll be like snap, 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 and then they'll be back and forth, and it's really good. Mm -hmm. Like I really, really like it. 
Yeah, and they they do it really well because they're it's it's not just used for laughs or for dramatic tension, but you also see in the moments where Merlin and and Red Shoes are starting to bond that you know, like maybe the camera is focusing on her face, but then then it it cuts or it pans and then you can see Merlin in his true form there and it's like this romantic scene where the sun is setting but because she has her eyes closed he's he's able to sit with her in his normal form and they're they're able to i i guess they're trying to uh framed yeah they're very smartly very smartly staged scenes yeah i mean there's definitely some instances where they they ignore the rule which is fine because it works better it would be distracting if they didn't but like Mm -hmm. because even in that same scene on the log there's instances where she's looking away and no one's looking at him and he's still a little dwarf but like Mm -hmm. I only noticed that upon like a second because I I watched this film twice. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's really I, I good. Did, I did too, actually. I I should mention that this this one is a fairly recent release. Um, I actually, uh, it's only just starting to come out on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, the official release is actually later in this month. Um, Bree and I were able to watch it because I ended up getting a uh, Region 4 Korean DVD. Um, partly your, be- your, your blessed my, my multi-region sp- player. <laughs> my, special, my special boy. I, I honestly, I wasn't 100% sure if they were going to be releasing this film in North America after the uh, controversy. So mm-hmm. when I saw it pop up on eBay and it had an English audio track, I was like, I was going to get this. And then at least we have it to, because I really wanted to take a look at it. Um, and I had been, because when it came out and I saw people who had seen it talking about how the, because um, I, I, I had seen the, obviously a couple years ago the the reactions to it and then i saw more recently when i was checking my tumblr (laughs) (laughs) um some people were discussing how it was completely different and how it it had changed so i was really actually super interested in seeing it but didn't have a way Mm -hmm. to see it so when you suggested this i was like oh hell yeah (laughs) It's, you know, it's funny because I started seeing clips of this movie pop up on Instagram a few months ago. So, I I don't know, just I guess by word of mouth. Like, I, I did see that it had, it did start to go in theaters across Europe um, mm. over the last few months. So, I guess it's just word of mouth has now slowly started to spread that, hey, actually, this movie is pretty good. Yeah. So, like, just in general, also, this movie is gorgeous. Um, the yeah. animation is just incredible. It's beautiful. The animation, the character designs are really cute. The lighting, the textures. Ev- yeah, everything in this film is just fantastic. Yeah, like, this is just, it's just really well done. And you... They, they, again, we talked about the framing a bit, but they, they know how to stage a scene. They know how to pace these scenes. They know how to get me to care about these characters. Yeah. 
Like, just overall, fantastic. Very pretty. Even, like, a lot of the writing and the dialogue is very... It's very cute and very clever. Like, mm. even even the... The, uh... The villainous characters, like, um... Regina and Prince... Prince Average. Yes. <laughs> Prince Average. Spelt, yeah, spelt Average. Yeah. But he's very insistent that it's Average. Which is just... It's silly. But it's like... Mm. The dialogue is very cute. Yeah. And very sassy from these villains. And I'm like, alright. This is fun. Yeah, and it and it works out too, because you really you don't see much of Regina throughout the film. She yeah. is very much a background character. So they they're able to make her fairly memorable. Um, even though she's not on screen for that a huge amount of time. I mm-hmm. I will admit that Prince Average is definitely the most memorable of the two. Oh, but yeah. Just, he's just out there and... He's... He's so silly. And yeah. it's just... It's so much fun. Like, he is just a fun character. Yeah. His, his whole deal is that he's having a birthday party and... None of the- all of the other princesses have turned him down. Who is coming to my birthday party? Has Ariel RSVP'd? She says she can't make it, sir. She has to wax her legs. But she's a mermaid! What about Sleeping Beauty? Doctor's appointment. Is she sick? Says she has insomnia. If she's not gonna sleep, she can come to a party. What about Rapunzel? And don't tell me she's getting her hair done. Nope. Writing something called a book. Princess Cruz. That's a ship, sir. Princess Leia. She's a general. I demand a glorious guest. I couldn't be any more unpopular. And I don't understand why. And so Regina comes to him and basically says, hey, listen, I'm trying to find this woman. Um, look, he look how beautiful she is. She has like a little uh, portrait prepared for him. Yeah, uh, a little look- drawing. Yeah, look how look how beautiful she is. Uh, she's stolen something of mine. If you capture her and give me back what she's stolen, you can just have her. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Which which is like really not weird. great, but you know. It's a yeah. yeah. Yeah, really weird saying out loud, but he's not like He's a very, because he's so goofy, it's not in a threatening way. He's just literally, he's this loser that just wants to have the prettiest woman as his date to his birthday party. Yeah, he just wants to be cool and wants people to think he's cool. And he's like, yeah. if I ha- if I go, if I have like my birthday party and I have like a really hot date, people will think I'm cool. Yeah. Which is great because he, he literally, he knows nothing about red shoes. Other than this promise that she is the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. And that's yeah. all he needs. To that's go all he needs. The- yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, the, the villains are fun. Also, um, Regina's magic mirror, I really liked the design of. Because mm-hmm. he's also evil. Like, he's just an, e- a, an evil mirror in a tree, which is cool. Um also, he's voiced, I think, by Patrick Warburton. <laughs> yes, you are Which correct. is fantastic. Mr. Patrick Warburton, who had just... Oh. Was a man born to voice act. Yes. Oh, just every time you hear them, or hear... Or the, the, every time you hear that guy, it's just... It's, it's great. Yeah. 
Oh, I love him. Do you, want, do you want to hear my completely off-topic Patrick Warburton story? Hell yeah, I do. Of course. He, uh, so he came to my local uh, comic convention a few years ago, and my go-to question for a lot of these people, because we're not, it's not a city that Hollywood tends to come to a lot, so my go-to well, question- you, People don't go to Calgary often? Yeah, surprisingly, but- Wow. People, so my go-to question is, is this your first time in Calgary? Um, and he said that, no, actually, he had been here before when he was 16. Uh, he was on vacation with his mom and dad, and they went to a drive-in theater to see the movie Grease. But, he said, they left, they left halfway through because his mom thought that it was too naughty for him. Okay. <laughs> Which is just, I just love that. that that's such a, aw. <laughs> that's adorable. Yes, so good. I've got his autograph hanging on my wall. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Absolutely fantastic to have been able to hear that voice in real life. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But yes, back to, to his, connected to his role in the film it's funny to see him playing a villainous character because I yeah, think... Yeah, usually, usually he plays just like some, it, like, like a cronk type. Yeah, usually the, the dopey but like buff guy or even just like, like buff dudes tend to be his, a uh, 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 repeating trope of his. Yeah. But this time he's, he's the magic mirror and he's he's I guess he's evil he's pretty evil yeah <laughs> like he's, he's helping Regina he's he's a yeah, villain you don't really get a you don't really get a good get a good sense of him until the end of the film where he starts attacking Merlin because up to that point yeah. I think and maybe maybe because I associate him with Kronk that I, you kind of thought that um, he's just oh, a well, goofy like yeah goofy non-threatening uh henchman but yeah. no like when when it's time to throw down with merlin he's like oh yeah like i am ready for this like he is yeah like, he's on board for murder <laughs> yeah he yeah and he he's enjoying it like he like you said he's like like a tree mirror guy and so he's using his branches to basically he's gonna like rip merlin apart which is what it seems yeah. like so he's pretty evil the whole, like, I guess it's um, the sort of theme for Regina and everything around her as, as a villain is sort of trees and mm -hmm. wood and apple trees in particular, I guess. Because she yeah. turns people into these sort of wooden constructs throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Did you Did you guess that... Um that the wooden bunny was her dad not until he had the reaction to seeing her true form and then okay. i was like oh okay yeah okay yeah okay you you yeah, no. on a bit, you cut on a bit earlier than i did because oh I, yeah <laughs> there's um and it's actually foreshadowed in the beginning of the movie so at the very beginning we see um so snow white is going through her dad's study and she finds a book where he is basically detailed it's like events. a weird little diary <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And it's and we see that the art style kind of changes, and we see uh, kind of basically Regina how she Regina? came in. Uh, Reg- yes, Regina. Sorry, Regina Manitoba comes in. I think it's Saskatchewan. Is it Saskatchewan? Regina Saskatchewan. Yeah. I don't know Canada. We are. I. We are. I live in Canada, and I don't know what the capitals of our provinces are. Uh, uh, oh you're no. But uh, we, yeah. So please excuse me if I if I say Regina throughout. The character's name is Regina, and I am just it's, I. It's Regina, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg, Manitoba, and I am a fool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> revoking so- your your Canadian card. Oh my God! I learned nothing in elementary school. No. How dare you? Oh, I'm a fool. But, anyway, um, so Regina comes in. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it it kind of details how Regina came in to basically woos woos uh, Snow White's dad with her beauty and ends up taking over. And we see during this flashback that um, Snow White's dad basically he takes her through a secret passageway to to protect her to send her away from the castle and away from Regina's grasp and later on in the film when uh Red Shoes has been taken prisoner from um when Red Shoes has been taken prisoner the Merlin rides the wooden bunny and the wooden bunny takes him through that same secret passageway so that's when I realized oh, that he that see, he was I didn't the transfer. Catch that. I didn't even put the two and two together there. Oh, oh. yeah. I had put it together when he because like there's a point right after she saves Merlin uh, from drowning and she's in her true form and like brings him up on the shore and the rabbit finds her along with these three adorable little wooden bears that work for Regina, um, mm-hmm. and the rabbit sees her. Uh, in her true form and has like a there's like one of those zooms with the camera i think and Mm -hmm. he's just like yes yeah yeah he does a big gasp and i yeah yeah, that one that one completely flew past me um i think i you know what honestly i feel like i'm so used to watching absolutely terrible movies that don't explain (laughs) anything (laughs) you're just like i accept this wooden bunny yeah, like I, I honestly like I would not have been surprised that, like yeah. the, both both the wooden bunny and the three wooden bears were just like maybe this is just a universe where these things existed. Yeah, well, um, it's, it is fairy tale island, and they established that there's like there's witches and fairies and and dragons. So it's like the a giant wooden bunny and yeah. little cute wooden bears are not yeah. beyond the realm of of believability. Well, and and it's funny too because even even after um, like once I had figured out oh well the wooden bunny is going to be her transformed dad I still didn't think anything of the three little wooden bears I genuinely didn't either <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you I was like oh yeah okay like the uh, the the bunny's her dad and the bears are just these constructs that Regina made. Yeah. But no, there are actually three little transformed children. It's like, they, oh, yeah. okay. They were three transformed little children 
And we have no idea what the fuck happened to their parents. I No. Well, I... it's in in the dad's sort of like diary thing that he he writes and leaves to to Snow White at the beginning. He has this thing where like he marries Regina and everything's great for a while and then suddenly people kind of start disappearing from hmm. the court. Um and we don't ever learn what happened to them. I see and I'm I kind of wonder if the implication is that if... So, okay. So, it's stated in the film that Regina... 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 It's stated in the film that Regina... That Winnipeg... um, (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think... I was trying to think of other provincial capitals and I came up with a blank. Edmonton? Oh, screw them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> um, but so it's, when it, Ottawa comes by, yeah, um, when St. John's, Newfoundland, um, <laughs> oh, oh no, choking on water. Why would you do this? To me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. <Whew>. Um, <laughs> so. Um, so it's mentioned that Regina is waiting for a pair of apples from the magic tree to be perfect. And that when this happens, they will give her eternal beauty. Until then, the imperfect apples result in shoes that wither away fairly quickly. Um, picking the imperfect apples don't cause the tree to die. But once Red Shoes unknowingly plucks the perfect apples, the tree withers away. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you is mentioned... That- is that supposed to be like was that a person? Was that tree a well, person? That's what I'm wondering because presumably Regina was using the same magic to make herself beautiful for to keep up the the facade with uh uh the king. So mm-hmm. was she was was she like cuz we saw she she has magic she has magic to turn people into the trees that will then give her the shoes that will make her beautiful, but we never see her just straight up using magic to make herself beautiful. So it seems like, yeah, like, did she turn people into trees using the apples and then use the shoes from those trees to maintain the illusion of her beauty to, to King White? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Because, like, like I, it's it's stated that these shoes are, will help her stay eternally beautiful. So, mm-hmm. will they, were the shoes that she was turning people, because she could have been turning people into trees and then taking the shoes and then using those shoes, but then they weren't eternal? They were yeah. just for a little while. Yeah, like my, I guess I, I should clarify that my, my assumption that picking the imperfect apples don't cause the tree to die, and it's only once the perfect shoes uh, are plucked that the tree dies. But it, that might that might not be it. Maybe it's just that it just so happened that the tree died after Snow White plucked it, and maybe yeah. it's just after so many apples, the tree would have died regardless. So yeah, maybe maybe unknowingly... Snow White and King White harbored a serial killer witch who slowly oh God. turned, turned all, all the their castle... subjects into apples. 
into apple apples. trees, apple trees, and then slowly killed them off, and then just made her like just made her way like oh time to harvest a new tree. Hey yeah. maid, have this nice shiny apple that I oh ooh, yeah. look at this fancy apple, the most mm. suspicious of fruits. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is a phrase said several times in the movie, which I I laughed. It was funny. In, in true apocalyptic log fashion, that's the last line of the little diary that's uh, that yeah. White left for Snow White. <laughs> and then and then what does and then and then what does Snow White do? Is that, that she sees the apple tree and she's just like, oh well, like what don't the look deal? that bad. Yeah, it looks fine to me. <laughs> Literally, she reads the line, apples the most suspicious of fruits, looks at an apple tree, and is like, those aren't suspicious. <laughs> Whatever, Dad. I know that you're missing, <laughs> and there's clearly a fucking witch living in our castle now, but those apples look fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess she doesn't eat them. They turn into shoes, and she wears them. Yeah, but Which like, is still weird. yeah. Still suspicious. Even perhaps more suspicious than a regular apple yeah, is an like, apple that turns into a pair of high heels. Yeah, like that's just like that, that's that's maybe that's maybe like the one dumb thing that she does, but it is it's also one of those things that's like this I mean, this kinda had to happen for the plot. Yeah. It's the one forgivable yeah. portion of okay, this is a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. She's gotta put the shoes on. I get you. I, I will say the shoes are really, really cute. And it's just, they, they have such a simple design, but like the inside of the shoe is the color of the inside of an apple. And it's got the two little seeds on the, on the sole. They're really cute. They're just, they're just extremely cute little shoes. Yeah. All right. Maybe that's, that's probably, that's why she put it on. Cause it's just like, there's damn. These shoes are cute, though. <laughs> these, they, clearly, these shoes can't be evil because they are too cute. <laughs> clearly, which, which is completely counter to the the uh, the theme of the movie. But yeah, but you know, it's it's the it's the beginning of the movie. Yeah, everybody, everybody. Lives. They have time afterwards to to actually do their <laughs> their theme. Yeah, and this. And this movie is pretty on point with reinforcing that theme. The the idea of beauty and how being conventionally beautiful doesn't mean you're a good person and and the reverse where being unconventionally uh, beautiful doesn't mean that you're a bad person not deserving of respect. Yeah. Um, you see, the Fearless Seven are cursed because they assume that an ugly woman must be a witch. Um... Regina is able to trick the king because she's Regina. beautiful. R- Regina, damn it! <laughs> Re- Regina Take is able. Over. To- <laughs> Halifax. Um, <laughs> Yellow knife. Uh, 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 red deer. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> it's the only I couldn't Can- think of any. Quebec City. Uh, Lethbridge. Montreal. Shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. What are, the Toronto. <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> um, 
but Regina is able to <laughs> Regina the, yeah. Yeah, Regina is able to trick the king because she's so beautiful that he he explicitly refuses to believe the possibility that she might be a witch. Um Yeah, she can't be a witch. She's too hot. Yeah. That's not how this works. You can't be both beautiful and a witch. Mm. Likewise, the fearless seven instantly trust Red Shoes because she's beautiful. Um, even when they find wanted posters that Regina has hung up, they instantly believe Red Shoes when she tells them that I'm not a criminal. Um, again, they, they even specifically cite that they knew that her beauty meant that she couldn't be bad. Yeah, that, they're like, oh, no, you're like, it would be impossible for you to be to be bad. You're too hot. It's mm-hmm. like, all right. You're too pretty to be evil. Mm-hmm. And then, and again, Prince Everage agrees to track Red Shoes down literally only because he wants a hot date for his birthday party. Yeah. I I wanted to talk about, um, so the, the early kiss between Red Shoes and Merlin. Yeah. So, while alone together, Red Shoes and Merlin talk about themselves. Um, Red Shoes... Interestingly, she explains fairly frankly to Merlin what the shoes have done to her. Um, she's kind of coy about it at first, saying that they, she used to be stronger, and eventually she admits that the shoes have made her lose a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, Merlin doesn't really seem to comprehend or is not really paying attention to what she's saying, but he just he just tells her that he knows what it feels like to look different on the outside than you do the inside. Um, Red Shoes tells Merlin that she doesn't care what he looks like, and she asks him if he feels the same way about her. Mm-hmm. He says that she does, which leads Red Shoes to kiss him. Yeah. Um, well, he she closes her eyes, so he's in his sort of, he's in his true form, and they have a, they have a nice smooch by the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and he's and he's he's initially he's elated because he thinks that the curse has finally been broken. Um, like she still has her eyes closed, and he tells her, "Don't open them," you know, because he's like he again he thinks that the curse has been broken. So he's making this big show about how the next time you open your eyes, you'll see, you know, the the man who uh, a real prince, the man who deserves you. And then of course she opens his she opens her eyes, and he turns back into a dwarf um mm-hmm. and they they get interrupted by this is where avraj as the transformed wood beast comes in and so they don't get much time to process things but it's so interesting to see this moment play out in a film because it's something that whenever you have a movie where true love's kiss is the thing that's going to break the spell the the idea of what would happen if they had kissed earlier is something that I always think about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why didn't... Yeah, why don't... Yeah. <laughs> I just... Yeah, even, words. Like in, uh, like in The Little Mermaid, or, you know, like in... What, what would have happened had Eric kissed Ariel uh, during the Kiss the Girl song? Yeah. Would it had would would that have fulfilled the 
the uh, the the legal spell contract. <laughs> yeah, would that have the the spell contract that Ursa set out, or would it not have counted because Eric? We only you only see Eric finally get over like, the the yeah. mystery girl later in the film. Yeah, like he's fully when when he is in love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. this was this was it's almost like he was like because at that point he hadn't learned anything. No, he, no, and he exactly. Was just he was still just like gonna gonna get my curse lifted from this beautiful lady. Mm-hmm. What matters is she's hot, and I'm gonna be hot. Yeah. And well, I think. He, like, he, I do think, to give him some credit, that he was in love with Red Shoes. Yeah. But he he was in love with Red Shoes. He wasn't in love with Snow White. Yeah. And, yeah. And even, like, as, like, the prelude to this where he, he's, again, where he, it almost seemed like he wasn't really paying attention or comprehending what Red Shoes is very frankly telling him. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially too because when when he starts expressing confusion about why the spell isn't broken, Red Shoes has no idea what he's talking about. So yeah. she she has opened up to him. Cause like at that point, does did does she even really know that these that they're cursed? Like I don't no. think they they've actually explicitly told her at any point. So she's just thinking that he's sort of, which is a little weird because there's definitely when she's kissing him, she's not leaning down to kiss a little dwarf. <laughs> she's yeah, yeah. in fact kissing a tall human boy, but you know, yeah, it, it they, is they what do, it is. They do cheat that a little bit. I think probably. Yeah. yeah. For good um, reason. It would be, it would be, it would break the movie to, to have her be like, oh, but why are you tall now? Anyway, yeah. but 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 yeah, they they do not. They never at any point explain to her their own curse. So so again, you have you have Red Shoes opens up to Merlin and and quite frankly says like, yeah, you know what? I put on the these shoes are magic. I put them on and they made me lose a ton of weight. This you know this is not my true self. And meanwhile, Merlin doesn't take the same opportunity to to respond to her openness by opening up to her. So yeah, they are not on the same page at all. And yeah, it's cause the, when he leaves after that or after she saves him and he sees her, her true form, um, mm-hmm. he goes off and he's sort of walking through the woods on his own with the giant bunny and, uh, has like a sort of, conversation with himself like it's mm-hmm. it's human him and little dwarf him talking to each other mm-hmm. what would have happened if she had taken off her shoes that day in the barn you think that's important I just wonder what I would have done if I had seen the real Snow White seriously it's still all about appearance for you no not exactly well, but I can't live looking like you for the rest of my life. Kind of proving my point, other me. Yeah, and he 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 basically he he wonders he wonders out loud um, 
you know, had he seen the real Snow White earlier, like, what he would think. And his dwarf self is is chiding him for still thinking about appearances. And at one point he asks him who, uh, who he likes more, Red Shoes or Snow White, um, to which Merlin responds, Red Shoes. Um, and then and he's... Then, yeah, his dwarf self is like, and which do you think she likes more? Which of us do you think she likes more? And Merlin, like, human Merlin's like, oh, me, of course. Wait, mm-hmm. no. It's you. It's yeah. little dwarf version of me. Yeah, and that seems to be the moment that it really clicks for him, this realization that fixating on physical appearances hasn't prevented it hasn't like physical appearances haven't prevented snow white from falling in love with him but it has prevented him from falling in love with snow white yeah yeah so he sort of has that revelation to himself Mm -hmm. yeah and it and it's nice that it's Merlin coming to this realization, you know? It's not somebody else having to tell Merlin that, like, you know, there isn't this outside person that is having to spell out um, the, the, the lesson to Merlin. He has mm-hmm. this conversation with himself, and he comes to this realization by himself. And I, and I like that. I feel like it's more powerful that he, he figured out his problem, basically, by himself. Yeah, it wasn't like some, some outside force spelling it out. It was, oh, I've been, I have been incorrect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I am the one who needed, needed to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I have. And he does. Yeah, yeah, and it's and his his arc in the movie, I think, was really well done altogether. Mm-hmm. When you first see him in the film, he like he said, like all of the dwarves, they're trying to just like it almost seems like it's not even about being in love with red shoes. It's just that they see oh this pretty woman, she's a princess. Let's just d- try and be nice so that we can get kisses. Yeah. And you, you slowly see over the course of the film, um, Merlin especially, his attitude changing. Like, um, there's even, there's like small stuff like when he sees the the missing person poster that Red Shoes has drawn of her father. And, and, and King White is like Red Shoes. He's a heavier, uh, heavier build. He Merlin makes a comment about, you know, oh, daddy's on the big side, and he just kind of ch- chuckles about it. So he, even as a dwarf, he he still is dealing with these assumptions about the physical form, even though he himself has now been rendered um, what he finds unattractive. Uh, he still has this internal monologue of attractive is good, uh, unconventionally attractive is bad. Yeah. Like, if you're not a conventional, conventionally attractive person, then, you know. Mm-hmm. But we also yeah. do see him saving 
Snow White later in the alley. So we, you know he's not like a bad dude, but he definitely has some like deep, deep and incorrect ideas about mm-hmm. about physical appearance. I and I think it's very smartly helped by again he finds himself ugly. He is he is not happy about being a, a, a transformed into the little green dwarf form. Um, and the way he talks about himself, like, it comes across that he, um, like, he, like, self-conscious almost in a way. Like, he, he's mm-hmm. constantly, like, any chance he get, like, he calls himself ugly looking or he, he makes some comments about how he's not worthy of being seen with Snow White uh, or being seen with Red Shoes the way he currently looks. Um, yeah. So it's... Yeah, because so because there's there's instances where where she'll she'll talk about how she doesn't care how he looks, and he's like, uh, "What? <laughs> what? Yeah. No, no. Listen, I'm an ugly little troll." <laughs> You're like, "Okay." Hmm. It is. It's almost sad in a way that he he seems to genuinely believe that nobody could love him the way that he looks. Yeah. And I guess the unfortunate thing is that he was uh, casting that that same attitude onto others. But mm-hmm. at, at, at again, at least what makes him kind of what what makes him kind of likable, or at least it gives you at, at least what gets your foot into the door regarding whether or not you like him as a character is knowing that he isn't happy and. It's again. He he has his own self esteem issues that are tied to physical appearances, and you want to see him succeed not only because it will make him a better person towards others, but because you also get the impression that he's going to be able to love himself more if he's not worried about his own physical appearance. Yeah. So can we also just take a moment to talk about the other dwarves and how they're all oh, yes. fairy t- fairy tale fairy tale boys? Yeah, because I liked all of the dwarves, like all of the the f- magnificent fantabulous seven or whatever they're called, <laughs> the fearless fearless seven. the fearless seven. Yeah. Um. So there's 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 Merlin and Arthur yep. are the two mm-hmm. sort of main dwarves, main character dwarves. Yeah, and Arthur Arthur is he's he's like kind of the strong jock type and and he's yeah. got this kind of subplot where he's trying to pull out Excalibur from Yeah, he's trying so hard to pull out Excalibur from the stone. Yeah, and it's uh he does get some cute moments with Red Shoes because Red Shoes because she is uh there's like a little plaque on Excalibur that says that only like somebody who is truly selfless and noble can pull it out. So Red Shoes does it easily. She just um, like slips it out, like picks up Mjolnir style. Yeah. Like, oh, oop, oops. Well, hmm? all yeah. right. Well, and oh, well, I'll just put this back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Puts it back, and then and then Arthur is just like, and, and again, self esteem. Like you almost expect him to be like all like uh, brazen and and like like oh whatever I you know I I'll be able to lift out the sword one day but he sees when he sees red shoes do it he just gets all depressed and he yeah. like he can't even he can't even put up like a good front to try and woo her anymore he's just like he goes to like sadly mope about how he wasn't strong enough yeah 
it's just it's very cute yeah um he and Merlin have like a like a rivalry going for a portion of the film because he's like, I'm gonna get red shoes to like me, and then mm-hmm. when she kisses me, everyone will learn. I like I'll be able to show everyone that this was like a curse thing, and then like ladies will just line up to kiss the rest of you. So just everyone help me me get red shoes to like me, and then yeah. once my curse is gone, I'll help the rest of you. Mm-hmm. So it's very it's very silly. Um, yeah. The other, the other four, or the other so, yeah. five dwarf boys, there's J- Jacques? Jack? Uh, yeah, Jack. But he, he speaks, uh, he speaks with a, a French accent. Yes. Accent. I, I didn't know which Jack fairy tale he was, because his whole gimmick is that he's got an invisibility cloak. So I was looking it up afterwards, and I guess some versions of Jack and the Beanstalk have him get an invisibility cloak. So I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Yeah, that was new yeah. to me, too. I He was the one that I didn't place as well. Yeah, so I, I wound up having to look for that. Mm-hmm. And he's very, he's very, like, uh, he's, he's, he's the, the fashionista. Boy. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, when they're all discussing about ways that they think that they can try and woo red shoes, he's like, oh, jewelry, jewelry will, is the way to a woman's heart. and Yeah. And, and you could tell that it's like he thinks that, I think, because he also that's his the way to his heart as well. Yeah. Well, cause and you see him and he's just like he like wears a little like moisturizing face mask around their house and he's mm-hmm. he's just a very f- like fancy fancy dude and it's like all right it's, mm-hmm. it's funny but yeah. he's never like what's what's what am I looking for here. He's he's still like in the action. He's not like, yeah. oh, I won't break a nail. But when he, when it's like things are going down, he's he's in the fight, and you're like, all yeah. right, he's, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's Hans, which took me a minute, but he was Hansel from Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, 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 and he he's the uh, the resident chef of the the Fearless Seven. He his yeah. his weapon is actually a a walk that he he uses to like <laughs> as a shield, but also just to like bash people. Yeah, he can like take the handle off and like throw it like Captain America shield and like mm-hmm. he's neat. And then there's the triplets. Yes, Pino, Noki, and Keo. Mm-hmm. And they speak with an <gasps> Italian accent. I I that was just that was fun. I liked that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, and that's so just different. And they also they also have they build a wooden mecha boy that they pilot yeah, around, they... <laughs> and its nose like comes out. Yeah, which is just fantastic. Aww. They they're very much like the sort of side characters, but they're just fun. Yeah, I mean they are they are definitely side characters, but. They get enough personality that even though they are not, they are not the focus of the story. You still feel like you got to know them well enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like. At one point, they they make a camera, basically, and yeah. it gets used throughout the film. It's not just a one-off gag. It gets used several times throughout the rest of the film, and you're like, okay, they're, yeah. they're important to the plot. Yeah, the triplets are inventors, and they're able to, um, to, they basically, they create a photocopier at one point, too, which they, <laughs> at first they use to print off more copies of the missing persons flyer that, uh, Red Shoes makes, but then, 
Um, Merlin's spell casting is he has these little papers that has the spell written on them. Mm-hmm. And the spell seems to be amplified the more papers he gets. So they end up, for the final battle, they print off a shit ton of copies for him. And that's what he's able to use to create the lightning storm that fries yeah. Regina. And somehow doesn't fry him. Well, it, it is good. Well, it kind of yeah. does, I guess. I think he's maybe he's maybe just slightly more impervious to it because you see him like shocking himself a few times throughout the movie. That's true. That's true. So maybe he's just he's more used to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. But oh. yeah, so like all of all of the seven dwarves are they're just they're good little characters and I like there's the the credit sequence is essentially mm-hmm. an extremely cute um, illustrated style sort of thing where you see all of them sort of going off and like meeting people and like people they wouldn't have considered conventionally attractive before and sort of meeting them and falling in falling in love a little bit and you're like oh this is really sweet yeah it's nice i'm really glad they did that because they we, we don't get to see them learn the same lesson that Merlin did on screen. So I'm really glad mm. that we got to see in the end credits, at least that they off screen, they did real, they did recognize what happened and you see, um, uh, so I think it's Arthur. He finds little red riding hood, but she's transformed into a wolf and he consoles her. And so they kind of yeah. have a moment. Like, he finds her as a girl, and then he's, like, he's sort of, it shows him sort of, I think he's giving her a flower or something, and she, and then all of a sudden the moon comes out, and she turns into, like, a werewolf, and she turns away and starts crying, and instead of being, like, Ugh, he he sort of goes over and, like, still offers her the flower, and it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And I think Jacques finds a reverse mermaid. Yeah, yeah, so uh, fish on top. Fish on top, <laughs> lady legs on the bottom. Yeah. But but reverse mermaid has opens up a pearl or, or opens up a clamshell and there's a pearl in it and and again he likes he he was the one that he, liked jewelry, yeah. And it seems like he's just like finally somebody who appreciates my love of fancy things. It's very cute. The and then Hans Hans is cooking a dinner for himself in the forest and and the smell wakes up sleeping beauty oh who, yes who comes over and just starts gorging herself on his food yeah she's just like just into the pot with both hands just yeah. chowing down you're like hell yeah <laughs> yeah and they just have a, they just laugh and kind of cute and then i can't remember what the triplets they're the triplets, if they, they're just kind of doing their own thing. They don't really seem yeah. to, like, they're just, they were working on something in the lab. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I mean, they're, they're just happy the way they are, I think is the implication. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Because they, do- they make their, like, like, wooden mech. And they're just, like, they're all in there piloting it together. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's, it's, it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Overall, this was a really good movie, and it's sad to think that people might 
tune this one out because of that earlier controversy. Yeah. Which is like, if that had been what it was, it's I, I could understand that. Because when I, I remember when I saw it, I was just like, yeah, that's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. So if if you didn't know then that it was like actually completely the opposite i could see why you would give this a pass but it's really too bad that they didn't have a trailer out that was closer to what the finished movie was because again Mm -hmm. at the the time of the controversy they only had that early teaser trailer um and i did see specifically articles that talked about the controversy also mentioned that teaser trailer with uh you know the 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 horrific horrified reaction to a plus-size snow white so if they had had a trailer that represented the final film out, then at least they could have been like, no, 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 see, this is what the film is about. Like, we're sorry yeah. about that marketing. This is what the mess, this is the message we are trying to get across. And yeah, it was just, unfortunately, they just, they didn't have it out there. And so all, all that people were able to base their opinions on were that marketing campaign and that teaser, that bad teaser trailer. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely a shame that it, it that it sort of it was preceded by all of this controversy and and misrepresentation of of the movie because mm. yeah, it's definitely it's an extremely cute little film that I feel like does have a good message to it and is very like worthwhile watching. Yeah, I I am glad that this one is getting a Region 1 DVD release. So for anybody in North America that wants to check this one out, um, it is coming out on DVD on September 22nd. And there's also going to be a Blu-ray release coming out on September 18th. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So yes. yeah, definitely check this one out, people. Yeah, give it give it a watch for sure. I I would support supporting this film. <laughs> for yeah, sure. I, I I would really like to see what else uh, the studio comes out with. Honestly, absolutely. I I want to see their next movie because mm-hmm. it was it was great. Yeah, it was very high quality. The animation think- was gorgeous, and I want to see more from these people so much. Yeah, please <laughs> honestly. Please support this movie. I could I could probably talk more about this one, but I think my brain is broken today, so I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> no probably worries. call this one here. Yeah. Or else I will I, just ramble for another mm, three hours. I I I do have before we leave you today, dear listener, I do <gasps> have it I do have any an update for you. Oh boy. Okay, so if Is you... this an update on Steve? Uh... <laughs> but, uh... Steve. <laughs> Steve. If, uh, so, obviously, if you listened to our last episode, you had heard the tale of Steve, our friend who we, uh, <laughs> among other things, were, were uh, daring him to email us if he actually listened to the podcast. Um... <laughs> And regarding regarding the whole Swan Princess thing, if you follow us on Twitter, then you will know that we had an extended conversation with Steve <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> regarding Swan Princess 10. Um, 
as it stands right now, we might be fixing to get Steve onto whenever we eventually cover Swamp Princess 10. We might be yeah. getting Steve on as a special guest for that. <laughs> it will probably have to wait until yeah. like late next year when we can all travel and hang out again. Yeah. Um, oh, but probably. we're gonna we're gonna watch the Swan Princess Ten and then we're gonna have Steve guest yeah. star. The contract is sealed, Steve. Yes, yeah, Steve. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have said that comment offhandedly because you know that that's like <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> That's all I need to justify roping you into this shit. You you know that Christy cannot be stopped. No, Steve. If you listen to the podcast, you would know that, Steve. Steve. It cannot be stopped. <laughs> but uh, but in in addition to that Twitter that Twitter message, um, Steve did follow through. He did email us at the Bad Princess Movies <gasps> at Gmail dot com address, and. He, he says, uh, he simply says in an email titled Bromley, he says, calling it, Bromley comes back in Swan Princess 10 and gets married to Uberta. Signed, Steve. Oh, wow. That is a bold prediction, Steve. Steve? Steve? S- Fuck off with this. <laughs> How? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare That's you? That's Christie's ship. How That's, could you do yeah. this? You clearly, if you watch the Swan Princess movies, you would know that the only true pairing with Uberta is Rogers. Steve. Don't you, how dare you sully my uh. inbox with this bullshit. Steve. 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 How could you? <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> oh my god. Thanks, oh, Steve, thank for the you. email. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for actually listening to the podcast, Steve. <laughs> if you have an email, yes, about if you. Suggestions or your Swan Princess ships. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> then send please. them. Send them to to us at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. Please you... send Christy all of your thoughts on, on Swan Princess ships and also anything else princess related. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, if you want to see more Bad Princess movie content, we are also on Twitter at badprincessmov. And there's also the catalog of princess movies that I keep that is just at badprincessmovies.com. I forgot the website. You forgot the website again. I did. Oh, well. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're all named the same thing, too. You'd think I'd fucking remember. (laughs) Look, I can't say anything about remembering anything. So I I cannot give you shit for that. Oh, God. Yeah. Manitoba. Regina. (laughs) Listen. Listen. I'm listening. Geography is hard. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't, I can't say too much shit because I specifically remember being in grade five and crying and having to explain to my dad why I failed uh, a, a a quiz <gasps> that we had on. Oh, we no. had to, we had to label cities 
in Alberta, and I based it on, like, well, we drove up to get to here, so I think that this... Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. no. I think that was one of the... That was probably one of the days that my dad was just like, like, why, why did I get a stupid child? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Steve. <laughs> oh, God. Just, he didn't... No one knew yet that your true... Your true passions and and knowledge were yeah. better suited for princess movies. And yeah, also like if, for art and many other things. But, you know, princess movies. Yeah, chiefly, chiefly princess movies to be able to be like, oh, yeah, like I've been I I, I, I remember seeing this trailer uh, in 2016. <laughs> like, that's good information to have to store away in my brain for forever, not, like, what are something useful, like, name the capitals of, of Canadian provinces. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, both of them probably would have come in handy today, but... <laughs> but we know. saw we saw which one shone through. Neither of them for me, so you know what? All Who's right. the real winner? It's you. Yeah, here's your homework for next time, Bree, is to memorize as many capitals as you can. Oh, no. All right. Oh, God. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Tune thank in you. next time. Tune in next time. The Bad Princess podcast, where I will recite all of the Canadian provinces and their capitals. Yeah. There we go. Yay. We've got it planned out. Oh, right. perfect. Thank all you, right. everyone, for joining us. And Thanks, everyone. Woo. See you next time. Woo. See you next time. Woo. Wee. Oh god. <laughs> 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 <laughs>